Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. Hi, I'm Sarah Smith. If you're the type of person that goes to liberty as other people would go on safari, and the fact that John Lewis doesn't have a funeral service makes you fret, Sarah Smith cleaning cloths are for you. Sarah Smith, available from Sainsbury's for the Posher Washer. Proud sponsors of Dumpty Dum. domestic violence helpline only ten days before the evening in question? Yes, I did. Mrs. Titchener, what did you discuss? I'm, I'm sorry? Something that you'd struggled to tell anyone else, even your friend Kirsty Miller. Mrs. Titchener, I know how unfair this must seem. Why did you ring the helpline? Rob, he was determined to have a baby. I told him I wasn't ready. The first time he plied me with wine, he held me down by my wrists. I won't warn the public again. I told myself he was my husband. It should be fine, but it wasn't fine, was it? Mum, Dad, I'm so sorry. Rob raped me. And not just once. It happened over and over again. This is Dum Dee Dum, the show about the reality docudrama that sounds like an ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm Royful Brown. This is a special show because this is a special week on The Archers. As listeners, we know that Helen had been raped, but it's all the more shocking to hear that she'd been repeatedly raped by her husband, Rob. One rape is too many, but the repeated abuse was uncomprehensible. Many women suffer this brutalisation and early this summer someone very close to me revealed that she as a child of 12 had been groomed and raped along with her sister by a family friend. Both gave birth to his children. I decided to do this programme to understand the extent of rape and abuse and where help can be sought. Mariah Cohen is a sexual assault program coordinator at the Crime Victims Treatment Centre in Mount Sinai West and St. Luke's Hospital in New York. Hello, how are you? I am well, thank you. How are you doing? Not too bad. You're probably not an Archers fan, and <laughs> and you kind of don't need to be. Uh, 
but suffice to say that um, all throughout the UK, um, people who are connected to the show that I love have kind of been rocked about this storyline of coercive control and rape. Um, mm-hmm. I know the US is not the UK, but as, mm-hmm. as cultures, they're, they're not too dissimilar. Can you just give, yeah. a, give us an idea of what are the figures around domestic abuse? How many women are likely to suffer some form of abuse in their lifetimes? Yeah, um, so I can give you the U.S. statistics, um, and generally those that we cite is that one in three women, um, and actually one in four men, have been the victim of some kind of physical violence um, uh, by an intimate partner in their lifetime. Um, And then kind of going a little bit more specifically, one in six women have been the victim of of sexual assault or an attempted sexual assault in their lifetimes. How... How are those figures collated? How are they actually derived? Can you give me a little bit of a sense of that, please? Um, Yeah, that's a good question. The sexual assault figures come from a national survey um, and the domestic violence ones as well, actually. So it's a survey that's conducted throughout the U.S. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things which was um, a bit of a revelation for, I think, a lot of the listeners on the show was this mm-hmm. idea of coercive control. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm, I'm presuming that that, uh, without wanting to mix metaphors and stuff, is mm-hmm. a bit of a kind of gateway action, a gateway drug in terms of all manner of domestic uh, violence. Mm-hmm. Um, would you have any kind of figures around that? Um it- so, so sort of apart from physical violence, you mean? Yes, yeah, because I think one of the most kind of yeah. insidious things about mm-hmm. the storyline that we've all been following is that at first, a lot of the actions of Helen's partner were some seemed somewhat mm-hmm. innocuous at first, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and then it became much more controlling, taking away yeah. her use of uh, her phone, she couldn't mm-hmm. drive, etc. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think that the statistics are probably similar. I don't have the numbers right in front of me. Mm-hmm. But what we often say also is that things escalate in intimate partner violence relationships. And so often what starts as something that, that is coercion but not necessarily physical abuse can, can sort of end up that way um, or something even potentially more fatal. Um, so they're usually related Mm-hmm. So I would say that the statistics are, are roughly the same and it's a pattern of of power and control and kind of coercion that usually escalates. I appreciate that every case is different, but could you mm-hmm. give us maybe some kind of sense of a typical pattern, if that's even the right word to use, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe the timescales kind of involved, you know, the typical pattern of, of abuse uh, or, you know, coercive control? Yeah, Um you know, the way that it often works, we, we sort of talk about the cycle, um, and it usually starts with very similar to what you're saying, kind of these, these small things that um, might not seem like such red flags if you know the person and if you know that person to be very charming and kind. Um, but they can usually escalate, as we say, and usually what happens is that those red flags kind of start to pop up. Um, things like isolating or sort of extreme jealousy or things like that. There are lots of examples. 
Um, and then usually that escalates to some kind of episode that might be violent. It might be verbal. Um, it could be sexual assault. It sort of depends on, on kind of the type of violence used. Um, and after that incident, there's usually what's kind of called a honeymoon period. Um, I don't love that term, but I think that it kind of conveys the idea that after the, the violent episode, um, there's often this kind of reconnection and the, the perpetrator will be very loving and charming again, um, which is really manipulative, right? But the person feels that they kind of have the person that they knew back. Um, so that's kind of, that's, that's sort of, and then it sort of goes back into that cycle of then there are those small red flags popping up again of coercion and control, and then it can escalate again. And what are the signs uh, before mm-hmm. things escalate, uh, which are kind of, which maybe the woman, the partner, the man who's um, in that situation can actually spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, hang on one second. I'm actually just going to pull up. Okay. Doc- Sorry. I'm... Just one second. We have a really handy... No, no, that's uh... fine. Because, again, I think it was interesting um, the the listeners to to The Archers specifically mm-hmm. at the start of their relationship when they started living together it was mm-hmm. the women who said something's up here mm-hmm. and a lot of the male listeners who said oh you know um, there was yeah. a, an instant around tuna bake where he absolutely refused to eat something that she'd made for him yeah and yeah. red flags went up for you know, right for certain listeners and for others they says well he just doesn't like tuna bake t- type of thing mm-hmm. you know so um that's really you know, interesting yeah i'm you know i'm really interested to to understand you know exactly when a line is actually crossed it became absolutely clear after let's say three or four months of these right. drip, drip storylines that something was up but you know mm-hmm. where it actually mm-hmm. started was definitely a gray area for some listeners not for all but definitely for some yeah yeah um and that, you know that's a that's a really great example and it it the the red flag is usually in kind of how the person reacts to that, right? Mm-hmm. So if, for instance, she makes him a meal and he says, I don't love this, but thank you so much for making this, right? That's a very different from reaction than how could you do this? You know I hate this food, right? That mm-hmm. that latter one is certainly a little bit more coercive, right? It's very blaming. It's saying, mm-hmm. you know, how could you do this to me? Yeah. Um, so a lot of kind of that like control and blaming is usually the the beginning. Um, there's also a lot, as I mentioned, a, jealousy can be a like a pretty a pretty big one. Mm-hmm. Um, someone who wants to be with you all the time, accuses you of cheating, kind of follows you around, isolates you from uh, from friends or family. Which is um, exactly exactly how how the story played out. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing that's difficult and, and a really complex one, but I think is important to talk about is also that kind of this this unrealistic sort of love at first sight, you're the most amazing person I've ever met in the beginning, which can feel really good, right? Which can sort of, which makes sense why that draws people in. It feels great to be loved. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes those can be red flags. If it's kind of these like compliments or these, this dependency and this expectation of perfection almost. 
Yes, and and he, and he absolutely did did have that in terms of mm-hmm. the way he wanted her to dress and 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 to, and to act, etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, and that dependency I think can also be sort of the controlling the way she wants the want to to act or dress, and also you know things like I need you, I can't live without you. Mm. Um, that dependency and also that can turn into a threat sometimes. Mm. So a lot of uh, violent partners might threaten suicide if the person leaves. Okay, so um, I suppose one of the also, one of the other things which was surprising for me mm-hmm. was, um, and and it sounds in- incredibly obvious when, when I say it, but how, of course, this form of coercive control, which then leads to rape, um, produces a lot of unwanted pregnancies. Um, mm-hmm. Would you have any kind of facts and figures around that? In particular, um, so sexual violence within a relationship. Yes, yeah, yeah. I, I don't in front of me. I can look for it. I can tell you that from our from the the clients that we see, I would say more than fifty percent of the people that we see who come in to kind of heal from violent relationships, sexual violence was a part of it. Mm-hmm. I think it's very very common um, because just like any sort of tool, any weapon. Rape is rape uses sex. Sexual violence uses sex as the weapon. Mm-hmm. So it's not about sex. It's about power and control. And that sense, sex is that tool to wield that power and control. And this might sound also like somewhat of a simplistic question. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But why do you think that some men rape? Hmm. I don't think that's a simplistic question at all. I think it's a really important one. Um, and I think that it, it, it kind of is a huge part of what we call rape culture, which is that it's normalized. Se- the, rape happening to women is normalized, but also the perpetration of rape is normalized, right? There is this very sort of macho um, culture that's celebrated. And so I think that it's like a lot of men in our society are socialized that it's okay to be violent towards women at most, right? But I think that the kind of the the less obvious um, end of that spectrum is it's okay to catcall. It's okay to objectify, right? It's okay to assume that a woman is yours to conquer. I think there's a lot of encouragement of sexual aggression. And how can we move away from from rape culture? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that that the first step is acknowledging it. Um, I think the first step is saying that, that people are not raped because they did something wrong. Someone is raped only ever for the reason that someone chose to rape them. Um, and I think that that's, a, that's something that, that we're not taught in our society, right? Women are taught to dress a certain way, to watch out, to not go, dug out, go down dark alleys, etc. Right? Men are not taught not to rape. And why um, do you think that the extent of abuse has so been hidden in in our culture on both sides of the Atlantic? Is being hidden, you said? Yeah, has been hidden. Yeah, hmm. that's a good question. Um, I think that in in some ways it's kind of this like society level defense mechanism of denial. <laughs> Um, I think that a lot of times, just as a survivor might kind of minimize her experience, right, and saying, well, it wasn't that bad, it, it wasn't really rape, 
um, as a way to sort of protect herself against the hard feelings about what actually happened, right? If I don't think it was rape, then I don't have to feel about it. Um, I think in some ways that happens in our society too. Um, I also think that there are very entrenched mechanisms of kind of patriarchy and this rape culture that we're talking about. Um, and those in power can perpetuate it. So changing it, um, has to kind of come from people that also hold the power, right? Um, mm -hmm. And that's really hard. So just before we wrap up, um, if any man or woman is suffering from uh, domestic mm -hmm. abuse and finds himself in need of help, um, how can mm -hmm. they reach out to your organization's services? Yeah, so we offer services in New York. We offer trauma-focused therapy. Um, you can call our main line at 212-523-4728. Um, you can also look us up online. Our, our website is cvtcnyc.org. Mariah Cohen, you've been a total star. Thank you for shining yeah. a little bit of a light on this very difficult and harrowing subject for us today. Yeah, thank you so much for bringing it up. It's so important to talk about. Brilliant. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. You're, you're, you're a total star. You've obviously done this one, one, once or twice before. Very clear, very concise answers. Thank I'm so you. glad. I actually haven't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, have you not? Uh, I've done plenty of trainings, but I've never done a podcast interview. So. Obviously, Mariah's charity is based in America, in New York. If you are somebody who's been affected by domestic violence and you're based in the UK, you can call Refuge, who has been somewhat of a stalwart charity behind the whole Helen Titchener storyline and you can call their 24-hour national domestic violence helpline on 0808-2024-7. That's 0808-2024-7. Helen, Helen, sweetheart, don't worry, it'll all be okay. 